Welcome to The Clarity Call, a podcast which provides encouragement and guidance for parents overwhelmed with the responsibilities of raising a child with special needs or has a medically complex diagnosis. Gain an enlightening perspective that helps dispel feelings of fear, uncertainty, or exhaustion as you venture into a life of peace, joy, and clarity. You're now on The Clarity Call with Alicia and Kimberly. Welcome to the podcast today, everyone. I'm Kimberly. And I'm Alicia. And you're on The Clarity Call. We are doing this podcast because we are parents of special needs kids. And we are passionate about helping get the tools to clarity out there to help anyone dealing with the overwhelm and challenges that come with raising special needs kids find some peace and clarity in your worlds. Together we have 16 children, six of whom have been diagnosed with a medically complex diagnosis or are considered special needs. And we are in our second and final marriages by choice because it's all a choice, right? Yes. Yeah. Life is so good. And uh, every day we get to use these tools to clarity to help us to find happiness and peace and joy in our lives. And uh, they are really helpful. Absolutely. We are extra excited about uh, our podcast today. So we're going to go ahead and turn it over to Alicia for our reality check, which is where we will learn about what we're going to be doing today. So it is an honor um, and such a privilege today to be joined by Dr. Wilcox and his daughter, um, Wendy. And um, we're going to give a little short introduction and allow him to speak for a moment. Um, Dr. Wilcox was sustained as a second counselor in the Young Men's General Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on April 4th of 2020. Brad grew up in Provo, Utah, except for childhood years spent in Ethiopia, Africa. He served his mission in Chile and later returned to that country to serve as a mission president for our church. He is a a professor at BYU, Brigham Young University, and has served as a member of the Sunday School General Board. Um, President, or sorry, Dr. Wilcox, Brad, um, you are such a role model to our, um, our church and to the community, and you have brought so much laughter and joy, and um, what I like to say is humor in the hardships, and it is such a privilege and honor to um, be with you and your daughter, Wendy, today. Well, I'm so glad to be able to be with you, and if I've brought you two seconds of humor, just one small smile as you have uh, moved forward with your family and toward your goals, uh, even though you've had some challenging times, then that makes me thrilled. It just makes me very happy. Um, I always say, if you can laugh at it, you can live with it. Yeah, And that's, that's what we kind of have as a little family motto around here, where Things get a little crazy as well. I'm here with my daughter, and she has a son who is is special needs. And so our grandson is dealing with some of the same things that your children are dealing with. And uh, and so life gets a little crazy. Even right now, my wife is over taking care of her kids so that she can be here with us. And so we know what moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas out there are dealing with. And we just want to bring a smile to your faces today. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, Wendy, for being with us also. Yeah, um, I'm happy to be here. So um, I'm going to take you back for a minute with our reality check to May of 2011. 
when um, I was in probably one of the um, hardest few years of my life to that point, and I had been, uh, my husband then had been um, dealing with severe addiction and problems, and I had just had my seventh child a couple years prior, and um, I had made some pretty firm decisions in my life that I was focusing on my children at that point. When sitting at a May festival that we have, um, my friends rallied around and said, you need to go. You need to go up to this conference and surprise him for his birthday and be there because his birthday was that day up at a conference he was attending. And I was insistent, no, I would not do that. And they couldn't force me to do that. Anyway, long story short, they took my kids and they literally forced me out and I was on my way. Um, Gotta love friends, right? Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love friends. They are my village and they were, they're wonderful women um, to this day. I'm so grateful for this moment because of the experience that led me to having the moment that I had with you. Um, it was kind of a hard visit and I remember dropping him off to his conference that morning in May. And I have to just say that it was majestic. It was a beautiful morning in Midway, Utah. And I remember um, dropping him off and being in this little skinny road with an alleyway and some tennis courts on the right. And I dropped him off and he left and out walks this man who I knew was Brother Wilcox. And I had just finished your book, um, The Continuous Atonement, or and um, when I saw you, I was very pushed to go and talk to him. And I thought, no, who am I to talk to this man who writes books and has this, you know, prestige about him? No, I could never do that. But the spirit was very strong and urged me to do that. And so I pull up behind your car and you probably thought I was a stalker. <laughs> I said, I'm safe. No. <laughs> I said, I'm just glad I didn't, I'm just glad I didn't hit you and we had an accident or anything. <laughs> no, you were just going to your car. Um, and I introduced who I was and why I was there. And, and I don't remember the whole of the conversation other than you said to me, um, you will have known that you've done all you can do. And I just remember at that time, um, there was just something about that moment that I knew you were my earthly angel to tell me something that would get me through multiple experiences in my life from that point on. And then you gave me this book, Hip Hip Hooray for Annie McRae. You signed it to each of my children and said, always stay close as a family and keep cheering. Love, Brad Wilcox. I'm <laughs> and- glad that we crossed paths. I'm so glad we crossed paths back then. I'm glad we're crossing paths again right now. Well, it is just such an honor. And I just want you to know that that was a moment that I'll never forget. And like what we try to do here on the podcast is just be uplifting and helpful to people who really have hardships and struggles in their life and just to give them that motivation to keep on going. And that's kind of why I wanted to use this as a reality check because this book um, talks about that in the, the reacting of our life or the not reacting in our life to other people and to their choices and their actions and how we go about that in our daily life. Yeah, I wrote that little book. Uh, it actually happened when I was reading another book called Koala Lou by Mem Fox. She's an Australian author, and I love her work. But I was reading it to a classroom of third graders in southern Utah, and there was a repeated phrase, uh, Koala Lou, I do love you. 
And so every time we got to that phrase, the kids would say it with me. And I thought, ooh, that's what I want to do. I want to write a book that will have a phrase that everyone's going to want to say over and over. But what could it be? You know, I'd written books for grownups. I'd written books for teenagers. I'd even written books for grownups on how they can survive teenagers. <laughs> but, but I'd never written a book for kids. So I kept thinking, oh, what could that phrase be? Well, my daughter, not, not Wendy, uh, that's with me today, but my other daughter, Whitney, she came home. She was in about second grade. She started to set the table and nobody even asked her to. And so I said, hip, hip, hooray. And we say that a lot yeah. at our house. But I thought, oh, that's good. That's a good title. But I couldn't put hip, hip, hooray for Whitney Wilcox because it didn't rock. <laughs> So I thought of a lady who lives in our uh, in our neighborhood, and her name is Annie McRae. And so I thought, oh, hip hip hooray for Annie McRae! And that's how I started writing the little book about a, a girl who has everybody cheering for her every time she does something good. Then when they stop cheering, then she feels sad because they're not cheering anymore. But by the end of the book, she realizes that she doesn't need them to cheer for her. She can cheer for herself, and she can make that choice herself, regardless of whether other people notice or not. And so <clears throat> I'm glad that's a message that resonated to you. It's one, that I, it's one that I hope children will learn very young, because that, that skill. skill of being able to praise yourself and, and uh, recognize yourself, even when nobody else does, is something that will help them through many of the bumps and many of the, the tumbles and the rocks and, and the, the difficulties of life. Absolutely. Yeah. Love that. And just so that we can kind of bring Wendy in as well. So, you know, we've said that she is um, Brad's daughter, of course, and she has a nine-year-old son that is like my Jocelyn, severely developmentally delayed, autistic and suffers with epilepsy. So Wendy, we just wanted to have you kind of introduce your world um, of being a special needs mom. Yeah, it's, it's nice to know that there's a podcast like this. I've searched for things to try and be uplifted myself and I've never found anything. So I'm really happy to know what this podcast is called now because I'm going to tune in. Awesome. People would tell me, oh, get on a Facebook group for special needs or but it, it's so depressing to me. Yeah, I <laughs> found the same thing. Did you? Okay, yes. I felt like this isn't helpful and this is not uplifting and you feel very alone. Mm -hmm. And so it's nice to know that there's a little tribe of people that can talk about these things. Um, my oldest son, <laughs> he was born normal, 40-week pregnancy. We didn't know anything was wrong. Delivery was fine. But even as a brand-new baby, he... I was a first-time parent, so I didn't know the difference. But he was a hard baby, really, really hard baby. Um, didn't want to be cuddled, didn't want to be touched, was very um, tricky, just even as a newborn. So I kind of already knew that But you're new at yeah. everything. And so I didn't know there was something different. I just knew that I had gotten a pretty tricky baby. Yeah. Um, and then by about 18 months old, I think even sooner than that, my dad kind of said, I feel like he's a little delayed of what should be normal. I started noticing that he wouldn't make eye contact. Mm -hmm. Even if we 
as we would turn to catch his eye, he would turn the other way. Right. Yeah. So he luckily was very observant having worked with children for so long because this was my first experience. And so by 18 months, we kind of were starting to do some early intervention and, you know, look into options like that. And by two and a half, we had him in speech therapy at BYU. So I feel like we were pretty quick on noticing and trying to start getting him some therapy. Right. But at that point, it was more like, well, he's probably just developmentally delayed and he'll catch up and, you know, it will be okay. Um, Did you go through any testing for autism at that point? No, because my husband and I both kind of had this attitude of whether he has autism or not, it doesn't really matter. We're still dealing with what it is. Right. And so I don't need the diagnosis to tell me that we've got extra work to do. Right. And so we kind of weren't that interested in having an, an official diagnosis, um, but we pretty much knew that he had autism. Mm-hmm. We just didn't ever do a lot of testing or anything. We were more geared towards how can we help? And so yes. it was like, well, what therapy can we do? And what can we do? And where we're so poor. Too. <laughs> it was like, what Amen, can you afford? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you say, I'll tell you, oh, you need this therapy and you need that therapy and you need this therapy. And it's like, well, choose one, you know? Yeah. Like, and what? first of all, you have to meet $10,000 worth of your out of pocket before we'll pay for those therapies, right? <laughs> right. Well, in the diagnosis, everyone kept telling me it would be helpful for you to have a diagnosis, but it's thousands of dollars to do a diagnosis. And then thousands and, and thousands of dollars of therapy after that. Yeah, uh-huh. and, then, and then grandpa can't come to the rescue because grandpa's a teacher who writes children's books. <laughs> <laughs> We're like high five. Yeah. We totally get it. <laughs> yes, we feel you. It, it's just kind of overwhelming. Yes. I think when you realize that you're dealing with something a little different, and uh, you don't know, there's no book right. on these are the steps you should take, and this is who you should reach out to. And I felt lucky that autism was starting to be something that everyone recognized and was more aware of mm-hmm. because I know people in the past got no sympathy or understanding. Oh, when I was growing up, nobody said, Oh, that kid's autistic or he's on the spectrum. They just said that kid's weird. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's all anybody knew back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I felt lucky that at least it was a time period where there were some services starting to be created and, I felt hopeful that like, okay, we'll just, as we go along this journey, like things will fall into place and we'll find things that could help. But, um, it was overwhelming. I think yes. that's the best word to say. Yeah, um, we, feel that. we did not know that we were going to be dealing with seizures. I feel like I wrapped my head around and got to the acceptance point of the autism. Mm-hmm. Like, well, he's always going to be a little different, but he, by hang, he is just going to be fine. And we're going to work through all of this. Right. And I come to that kind of place of acceptance with, okay, he's autistic, but he can still, he's somewhat verbal. He didn't potty train until he was four, but he got it. And I mean, you know, everything was just delayed and it still is. He, he turned 10 this year but I would say we're turning three, if that makes sense. So it's like, we're still very delayed, but he does get it eventually. And we are moving forward. Finally, (laughs) when we started at two, they'd come and tell us the chart of speech. Like this is where the base is. And he was below the base. Like we were never even on the chart. Right. And so they tell us, well, this is where the start is. And we're like, and we're not even there. Yeah. It kind of puts a new meaning to off the charts, right? There you go. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, it's all about perspective. I've, I've, been, I've been very used to being behind and, and having everything develop slowly. But as long as we're making some kind of progress, it felt like, you know, okay, we're, we're moving. Um, and then when he started first grade, I don't know, this is where you feel so guilty later when you're looking back, but going full day maybe was so stressful for him because his attention span isn't long enough. And we had him at a charter school for special needs kids and autism. Mm -hmm. And he had a lot of support and extra speech and extra OT. And you just assume that they're professionals and kind of know what they're doing. And so I sent him to school. Um, But he started having seizures when Mm -hmm. he was started first grade. Yeah. And we didn't know what that was. And they were really mild at first. And so it took us a while to even recognize that he was having a seizure. Because I think at first they were kind of, what do they call them? Um, focal? No. Mm-hmm. He was just know. checking out, right? Yeah. yeah. They yeah. kind of mild and he'd check out and then he'd right. come back. But it wasn't, it wasn't like fall down shaking on the ground kind of seizure. Right. And so. We, Until later. Yeah, yeah. We didn't know. They progress. That's uh-huh. how it happened with my Jocelyn as well. She went from, yeah. from you know, very mild infantile spasms to generalized seizures are the ones where you have the convulsions and everything. Yeah. Yeah. See, and I didn't know anything about the world of seizures. I didn't mm-hmm. know epilepsy. I didn't know that seizures could progress. I didn't know that they can change and that you can develop multiple types. And yeah. I mean, it was just like a whole new world of special needs that I was being introduced to that I had never been part of before and I, I just didn't know any of the terminology any of what people were dealing with I didn't know anyone who was having seizures so it was it that for me kind of hit me out of left field mm-hmm. because it was a whole new ball of problems that I didn't think I was going to have to deal with right he has a twin cousin on my husband's side who is um they were born in the same month so they're like four weeks apart they're both on the spectrum they're both about the same level of special needs, but they're polar opposites. Mm-hmm. I mean, where the one wants motion, the other doesn't. And where right. the one wants, you know, I mean, they're just so different, even though they're still the same. Yes. But that kid has a personality that will listen to his mom and be teachable. And he doesn't have seizures. And he's made so many progress and he's exactly the same age. And so you're not supposed to compare right? because that's always the trap, but it's hard to see these two boys next to each other. And they, you know, their parenting style has been very permissive. And this kid is the king of his castle and he is so doing great right now. That's wonderful. And and Rome, my kid, when he started having seizures, we lost a lot of ground. Like we started regressing and he started losing things and he became more rigid and he became, I, this is the wrong terminology, but he became more autistic. Like he was, I would say higher functioning before. And then we started losing ground. And so those two boys started, you know, one is much farther ahead than the other. And it's discouraging as a mom because we, they both both came from kind of the similar support of, two-parent family and you know we're trying to do the best we can and it's really hard to see your own child regressing and not doing as well well and then the tendency is to blame yourself well she must be a good mom and I must be a bad mom right when that's just not the case at all no right we just have to realize that every child 
regardless of whether they're special needs or not, is unique and individual and has to be absolutely treated as such. And yeah, comparison, when you said that, like we've talked about it on our podcast so much, but it absolutely is the thief of joy. And you yeah. know, that's why we're here is because we want to help moms manage their mind around this very natural man idea that that is offered to us of comparison of things should be different than they are. Or even though, even though you know in your head, the right. logical side of you knows comparing's not helping anything and my child's unique and it's okay if he's not the same. It is still so hard yeah. to see my brother's family that are all neurotypical kids and he has a daughter who's seven months older than my son and a daughter who's seven months younger than my son. And they are both in a whole different ballgame and a whole different level. And when they come to visit, it, it's almost hard for me to yeah. watch how well they're doing and just feel like, wow, I'm still in baby state. Like we're still back at baby Einstein, you know. Yeah. And well, we go back and yeah. have we have a podcast talking about grief too and right. the acceptance oh. of having to know that we don't we we have to grieve i mean i have my hopes son and dreams of what we expected that their life would be like yeah yeah my son has yeah. what's called hirschsprung's disease and you don't think that you're going to grieve that that um, loss that he lost part of his bowels and he's not going to function normally like the other children are he may have accidents he may have problems you know but you have to grieve those. You have to allow yourself to yeah. grieve that, and then you can cope and and move forward yeah. that way. But we, we talk do a lot about processing emotion. Did you find that you went at a different speed in your grieving process than yourself? Absolutely, and oh, yeah. not 100%. only different speeds, but the the acknowledging because some yeah. it's hard because Kimberly definitely deals with the fact of of um, I don't know not to say it bad, but like. No, it's just a normal child. Like there's right. not really a dysfunction. There's not really a disability or a, right. you know, and kind of a denial he state. Spanking. He just needs a good spanking. Right. I mean, that's what you keep hearing. Yeah. And, and you realize, no, it's not a matter of, of us doing something wrong. It's a matter of us dealing with something that other people simply don't understand. Exactly. Yes. Right. Well, and I just, I was telling Kimberly this morning, I have a dear sister that I, um, that I get to oversee in our, in our church and, um, and watch her. And I know I was, was sent to her for a reason, but she is, um, she's sad. There's times where you say, gosh, my life would be so much better if I didn't have this problem, you know, or things like with anything right? or this special needs child, like you're saying, how come my child can't just perform normally? And you know, why, why me? It's really hard to have to face some of those um, hardships right. and struggles, which is why Kimberly really felt inspired to do this um, podcast for women that it's, yeah. it's natural. It's human to go there. Right. Well, maybe this is natural too, but I find that I was, I'm not a patient person and I was never the person that wanted to work with special needs, even as a young adult. But then that's probably why the Lord sends you these things, right? To teach you everything that you didn't want to learn. He sees what but you I need. But I even find that we have a neighbor who's special needs and I have my other nephew and I do so much better with children that are not my own. They all, you know, respond to me and you make a difference. And right now we have Roman going up to a behavioral therapy place in Draper. And I feel like all the other kids that go there come and talk to me and see me and no, but then your own child is like the one that is 
your real hard one. And so that's also been hard for me is just that how do I get through to this one? Because, you know, normally I do well with children. And then this yeah. one is just a real trick yeah. for me. And, and really, I mean, you're, you're giving yourself all of the answers because it really is just about your mindset. And I'm excited for you to maybe go through and listen to the podcast and learn these tools to clarity. And then we should have you back on so that you can be like, oh, okay. So because you're asking all of the questions that I struggled with as a mom of a special need of actually all four of mine are considered special needs children and, you know, with all different diagnosis. And, you know, so I really 100% asked myself all of the questions you're asking yourself and had to go through a very um, challenging refining process. Thankfully, my heavenly father loves me enough to put me through that process and help me basically step out of victim mode. Like this isn't happening to me. This is happening for me. And I get Uh to learn and grow and become a better me through this process and then step up into the purpose that my heavenly father has for me, which is getting to shepherd these amazing special children through this mortal life and help other moms try and overcome these challenging emotions and thoughts that we um, deal with as we are trying to be the best moms that we can to these amazing kids. Oh, and connecting with someone who gets it, just talking to you too, it's like, yep, Yep. they get it. (laughs) And it's so satisfying because normally you just feel so judged and alone. Right. True. So it's very nice when you can find a place where you're like, yay, these are my people and I belong. Absolutely. We are are your people. Yes. And you are ours. (laughs) This concludes the first half of our interview with Brad Wilcox and his daughter, Wendy Wilcox Rossborough. So we will go ahead and finish this episode by reminding you of our mantra, which is the happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. And Alicia has our, would you rather? Okay. This is exciting because... It just feels like you have a superpower. Mm-hmm. I think we kind of talk about that once in a while. Well, being a special needs mom is a superpower. Yeah, that's so true. here you go. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> so would you rather be able to fly or be invisible? Mm, that's true. <laughs> I would rather be both at very different, <laughs> in very different circumstances of my life. Oh Ooh. my gosh, so true. I think that I probably could get a lot more done if I could fly. Well, and I, I have always said, I tell my kids all the time that I know that in my world or whenever I have those powers, I want to be able to teleport. And so if that includes flying, then I think I'm choosing flying. I know. I know a lot of moms that are going to be like, I'm going invisible. I got to hide from these kids. Check it out. (laughs) But I think I just want to get more done at this point in my life. And so I'm just going to fly around. Okay. Well, It's been exciting, and we are super excited to have you back next week as we conclude our interview, and uh, it's just so much fun. Have a good week, everyone. You've been listening to The Clarity Call with Alicia and Kimberly. Find additional episodes of the program on any popular podcast app or search Apple iTunes. You may also subscribe to The Clarity Call to catch every episode. If you've enjoyed the content of this podcast, we invite you to share it and please leave a rating and review of our program. If you'd like to connect with Alicia and Kimberly on social media, you can find them on Instagram as The Clarity Call or on Facebook under Clarity Call. 
They can also be reached by email at theclaritycall at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and supporting our program.